You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Larson. You can find me on Twitter at Lockdown Brewers. That's the podcast handle or my personal handle at Cheesehead Talks with an S at the end. At Cheesehead Talks at the end. Uh, Cheesehead Talks with an S at the end. That's what I'm trying to say. Come follow me and uh, check out the Twitter feeds and have a good time all day long with the Brewers and yours truly on Twitter. Well, today we've got a show with no game last night. Of course, the Brewers and the Astros start a two-game set this evening. We'll have Dr. Scott on. It is Tuesdays with Dr. Scott Borkenhagen from BrewMaths.com, Brew underscore Maths at, uh, on Twitter. Lots of great analytic info coming up today about Zach Davies, Mike Moustakis. Can those two keep it up? How about Freddie Peralta? Can he gain consistency? And what about the Miller Park effect that we hear so much about. We'll talk about that and dive into it coming up in a little bit with Dr. Scott as well. On Friday, we'll do your mailbag, so get your questions ready and think of some questions and uh, hit me up on Twitter with them, like I said, at Cheesehead Talks with an S at the end or on the podcast handle at Lockdown Brewers. Both will work, and I'll answer your mailbag questions on Friday. Today's show brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Astros and the Brewers tonight. I did have a chance earlier, and you might have heard a clip yesterday from Eric Heisman uh, from Lockdown Astros. Had a chance to catch up with him and talk about the Astros a little bit. But unfortunately, the audio stunk, and uh, I can't uh, I can't put that uh, phone audio over uh, because it just did, a lot of it didn't make any sense. It was kind of blurry and choppy, and uh, don't want to do that. So I'll sum up a little bit uh, today and tomorrow as we look forward to both these games of what he said. And I thought it was interesting because I don't know a lot about tonight's starter for the Astros, Brad Peacock. Except what a what a great name, Brad Peacock. Uh, he. He struggled a little bit earlier in the season, uh, but he's been really good the last seven starts. His ERA 2.87 in his last seven, and uh, three and two in those games, so he's been pretty stingy. And what Eric Heisman told me was that he switched a little bit from working exclusively from the stretch to working from a full windup and made some tweaks and... uh, Eric from, again, Lockdown Astros, pretty high, as he probably should be, about the Astros and their ability to coach and coach up pitchers because it's been so successful the last several years. The Astros, of course, are among the very best teams in the major leagues again this year, and it'll be a great test for the Brewers for these two games this week. But he works uh, more from the stretch now, and it's really helped him to really be better. Obviously, 2.87 ERA in his last seven starts. And then, of course, Freddie Peralta, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too with Scott Borgenhagen. 
can he string together a start? I, I last time he came out to start was last week, uh, Thursday, right? And and I said on this show I was nervous because the Brewers had just been shellacked twenty four to three in two games by the Florida Marlins, and I thought, well, is Freddie Peralta really going to be your stopper? This red hot offense where everything's going right and they're smoking the ball all over Miller Park, and it turned out, yeah. Freddie Peralta is going to be your stopper. A lot of swings and misses on fastballs. What's that all about? We will talk with Dr. Scott about that factor coming up. Uh, but he was really good, and he was good, Freddie. And this is, you know, very characteristic of young pitchers, obviously, right? Can they start to string it together? Can Freddie Peralta, as young as he is, come out in a in a very tough ballpark to pitch in, a bandbox in Houston, and can he keep the Brewers in this game tonight? They aren't going to score a lot of runs that you figure off of Brad Peacock. Can Freddie Peralta hold the Astros down the same way he did the Marlins? A little bit of a difference between the two teams, right? Houston a little bit better. A little bit. And so can Freddie Peralta put together another good start? I'll be really excited to watch and see because, again, I want to get excited. When Freddie has a start like he had on, on Thursday last week, man, I want to get excited about Freddie Peralta, right? But can you? Can you you know, see good Freddie. And when will you know it's good Freddie? Probably after a couple of innings is my guess. Uh, And so we'll see if he can string together his next step to be consistent. Can he string it together and give us a good start tonight? We'll see. Also, before we get to Scott Borkenhagen, Dr. Scott on this Tuesday, I wanted to just uh, talk a little bit. We might do a a Hira monitor here. (laughs) Keston Hira since he was sent down in six games. He did take the collar last night. So he is human, by the way. He was 0 for 4 last night in San Antonio's loss to Las Vegas. They got shellacked. Eight run first inning. Does that sound familiar by the opponent? Or 11 runs, eight runs, whatever. Or 12 runs. It was a 12 run inning, right? From I, I forget from the Marlins. It's all distant memory now. Uh, but anyway, here, uh, since he went down, is now 320 as a batting average, two doubles, two homers, five RBI in six games. And again, that's with doing nothing last night. So, you know, Brewer fans, obviously, and me included, we're going to keep track on that because he's a very exciting player. He's a very exciting prospect, very exciting to bring him up, very disappointed, uh, a lot of uproar last week in Brewer Nation. And look, he'll be a part of this. I wanted to go back and play a clip from Kyle Lishneski from BrewCrewBall.com. Uh, I had to leave it out for length reasons last week, but I thought it was interesting and wanted to circle back to it. So here's Kyle Lesneski about the whole thing with Keston Hira and the Brewers sending him down. From a fan standpoint, and I probably from a player standpoint too, it, it just really kind of sucks. <laughs> like, the, you know, uh, how long have we as Brewers fans been waiting for that prospect to come up and just be great? right away like come right up to the big leagues and just be outstanding and it it doesn't seem like we've had a guy on the position player side do that since what ryan braun came up you know we have keston here come up and and you know maybe he didn't do it in the most sustainable way when you look at his strikeout to walk ratio and all that kind of stuff but but this was a guy who was had a had an 850 ops through his first 17 uh 17 big league games he was at the time he was sent down, his uh, 124 weighted runs created plus was the fourth best mark on the team. And it, it just really stinks to see a guy come up and just really even outperform expectations that were lofty to begin with. 
And there was really no realistic chance for him to stay up in the big leagues, at least for this time being, regardless of what he did. Because, I mean, I don't know how much more he could have asked out of the guy. So you can hear Kyle disappointed, and I get it. I, I have been disappointed, too, to a certain extent. I disagree with something he said, though. He said, from a player's standpoint, it really sucks. I don't agree with that. I mean, from Keston Hira's standpoint, sure. But I don't agree with that. If you think about being a Brewer veteran, right, if you're Travis Shaw or if you're Jesus Aguilar or even Eric Thames, for that matter, the guys who've really been thrown into this debate, it doesn't suck. You know, the Brewers are showing you, and this is, people talk about, well, they're just playing for the long term, and we've got to win now, and whatever it costs us a game. Well, first of all, they're 10 games over 500, and I know they got shellacked in the two games after he went down, but do you think it would have made a difference? <laughs> Being out, if, if you give up 24 runs, do you think Keston here is going to make the difference? I don't think so. So, you know, on the field, they're winning, right? And it's very short time since he's been sent down, and he'll be back up, but short time since he's been sent down. They're not in a tailspin. And I think from a veteran standpoint, your organization showing confidence in you saying, we're not going to give up on you. You know, you've had a couple of bad weeks or a couple of bad months, I should say, a few bad months, whatever it is, in the case of Shaw and, and Aguilar. They're not going to give up on these guys. They're going to show them confidence. They're going to give them chances. They're going to let them try and work it out. That's what you do, you know, that you don't give up on people. I, I don't think a lot of major league teams do, really, but the Brewers are not going to. They don't have to make a decision yet on anybody for a while. And and why why is that a bad thing? You know, people, I think a lot of the reaction was, well, they just, you know, they're putting, they're kicking the can down the road, the Brewers, and they, well, why is that a bad thing? You should do that. Give all your guys a chance to succeed. Keston Hero will help this ball club this year again. He'll be back up. And I just, I, I think some of that's getting lost. Look, is it long-term thinking for the Brewers? Yeah. In an in a ultimate dream scenario, what they would want is for Jesus Aguilar to figure it out and become a consistent, probably about 270, 25 to 30 home run guy, right, at first base. Is it dominant numbers? No. Uh, he's not going to have a tear like he did a year ago right now where he was carrying the ball club. I don't think he is. I hope he does. I'd love for him to get on another tear or two. But they have three years of club control over Jesus Aguilar. They have two years of club control over Travis Shaw. I got a question on Twitter yesterday about Mike Moustakis and, and you know a lot of people clamoring now, gosh, can the Brewers sign him again? Well, likely no. He's going to command a lot of money. The Brewers have to pay... A lot of guys, you know, in the future here. Mustaka's going to be looking for a multi-year deal. You have to make room for Keston Hira at second base. You have to. You know, he's the future there, right? And so I think he's going to be your opening day starter there next year. That's a kind of a no-brainer, barring unforeseen events. You have two years of club control over Shaw. Shaw's a 30-home run guy. That's who he is. So he's going to get back to here. You're starting to see signs of that already. Can Aguilar be a 30-home run guy? That's the question. And I think the Brewers want to see that play out because ideally, your infield next year opening day, Shaw at third, RC at short, Hira at second, and Aguilar at first. That's ideal. You got a lot of club control on that infield, you know, a lot of future there. And that's what they want. And do you sacrifice winning now? Well, I don't think so. You know, one, you've got Eric Thames, who's not too bad. He's not, we've covered this, he's not spectacular, but he's not too bad. And Shaw can come around. And you've got Moustakis right now. So you're winning. You're 10 games over 500. You know, it's not too bad to see how this thing plays out.
I know I, Ben, you're a Brewers sycophant. No, not really. I, I I wanted to see Hira stay up through this series. I thought they should keep him up and find a way to have him on the roster through this series with the Astros before sending him down. You know, but I understand he's going to be up and down this year. That's the way it is. And when he gets to, when he comes up again, I'll get very excited. I'll be very happy. It'll be fun. And they're probably going to need him because somebody's probably going to get hurt and have an IL stint. It's the way it goes. I hope Brewer fans are a little more at peace with it this week. So anyway, wanted to give some thoughts on that and circle back with that uh, Kyle Lushneski clip. So time to get to Dr. Scott. Tuesdays with Dr. Scott. Coming up next, uh, again, we'll talk about a lot of interesting things today. From Zach Davies to Mike Moustakis and his tear. What are the analytics behind these things? How about Freddie Peralta? How come people keep swinging and missing at his fastball? What is the deal with that? When they talk about hiding a fastball, what does that mean? Some interesting insight from Dr. Scott about that coming up. I'll tell you one place you probably don't need analytics. The bedroom. Am I right? Am I right? How about that for a transition? It's time to talk about Blue Chew again. BlueChew.com, the color BlueChew.com. Look, guys, we all want to be better, right? Now, some of us maybe uh, haven't been so good in a while. Some of us maybe are still raring to go every night. Either way, Blue Chew can help you, okay? You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. They're the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they'll work. They'll be discreet. You get an online prescription. It comes in an unmarked package. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And right now, we've got that special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Brewers on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Brewers. Well, it is Tuesday, and so if you've been listening to this podcast for all of our three weeks, you know what that means. It's Tuesdays with Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott Borkenhagen, brewmaths.com. Check out his work online at brewmaths.com or at Twitter, brew underscore maths for some great Twitter conversations with fans. He's the Brewers exclusive sabermetric dude or doctor. I guess I'll go doctor. It sounds better. Dr. Scott joins us as always on the program. Uh, Dr. Scott, thanks so much for your time. Let's dive in with Zach Davies. I uh, I promised we'd get to him You know, last week. Here we are. He's 7-0, 2.41 ERA, mixing, changing speeds, being precise with his location. Can he keep it up? Can he be this guy the entire season for the Brewers, according to what you see analytically? Well, I'm not going to make any promises, but uh, what I can do is let you know that he seems to be a guy who's dialing in. You mentioned he's a finesse pitcher, and that's for sure. Uh, finesse pitchers got to keep hitters off balance. By learning balance themselves so it's a bit of an oxymoron there and that's what davies is doing he uh seems to have balanced his pitch repertoire perfectly this year his accuracy is spot on especially with his uh change up and cutter and he's creating velocity bands in other words he's throwing his pitches at different speeds which creates a decrease in reaction time for the hitter and a deception basically is the way to say it um 
his changeup has really good arm side fade, um, so it's kind of hard for hitters to pick up. And then his cutter, which he throws the most, or two-seamer, uh, forces a lot of ground balls. Uh, so it's it's a pitch that moves well, he places well, and uh, leads to weak contact. Yeah, and he's got a lot of that. Now, I will ask a, a quick follow-up on that. The Pirates on Saturday had been seeing him for the second time in a week, and their approach was to wait back and take a lot of pitches. And, and he wasn't as pinpoint as he had been. And so, for therefore, he was only able to go five innings after he'd had, you know, a couple of – he's gone eight innings a couple of times this year and been really, really good. So is that the way to beat Davies? You know, Davies is uh, – finesse pitchers usually beat themselves. Uh, if they're not hitting their spots and their pitches aren't moving like they normally do, it's going to get exposed quickly. Power pitchers can overcome that by just throwing it by you. A guy like Davies has to have his whole repertoire working, and – being the savvy veteran that he is, he's really started to kind of put it all, put everything together, and you see that um, seven and zero speaks for itself. Yeah, it certainly does. All right, Mike Mustakis, he's the hot name. Twenty home runs, four home runs in his last four games, but he's really been very consistent, far more consistent than what I envisioned him being uh, to start the year, and and what we looked at, you know, when he came over in the trade for uh, the second half of last year. So, what about Mustakis? What do you see for him the rest of the season? Well, let's just start off then by saying he's on pace for 50 home runs. Yeah, That's crazy. Um, I don't think anyone expected that. Um, maybe even him. Yeah. <laughs> Yelly, you combine that, it's kind of a fun fact. He's on pace for 60 home runs, and the only two players on the same team to ever hit, to ever hit 50 home runs in the same year are Maris and Mantle in 1961, mm. and that's the year that Maris beat Babe Ruth's home run record. That right. Mantle and Maris were fighting all year long. It was a huge ordeal and then mantle fell off at the end so hopefully we get that kind of same fireworks with <laughs> yelly and moose um diving into moose though you look at his numbers and across the board uh at the plate he they're up his average is up his on base percentage is up but his slugging percentage is up big time last year um his or, or should i say his career slugging percentage is 440 it's 592 this year mm. and his OPS is up from 749 career to 930 this year now how's he doing it um that's the the key thing here he's hitting the same amount of fly balls interestingly enough uh last year he hit 46.3 this year he's hitting 44.8 so he's actually putting less balls into the air but last year home runs per fly ball um he was 12.8 this year, it's 24.4. Wow. So he almost literally doubled how many of those balls that uh, he puts into the air are leaving the park. Okay, so let's dive in on that because I think that brings me to the other question I had for you, and that's Christian Yelich, where sort of the same stat applies, right, where it was a huge for a while there, and I don't know if it's still kept up on this, but for a while, was it last year, second half of last year, where 50% of the fly balls he was hitting were leaving the park, and a lot of people are <laughs> turning around and saying, Miller Park, Miller Park, Miller Park, and maybe it's the same for Moustakis, but look, Moustakis wasn't doing this at Miller Park last year, so how much does of a role does Miller Park play, especially when you look at, at Yelich's home and road splits, Dr. Scott here, which are really far apart seemingly here. Well, let's start with Miller Park. Um, the Miller Park Park Factor, which is basically a metric that they use to try and figure out how much the park contributes to the statistics that are made there. Um, Miller Park used to be higher up. Now it's somewhere in the middle. Huh. In, uh, so it's, it's not a, a wild hitter's park as most people like to paint it. 
Um, if you're talking about Yelly now um, and digging into his dramatic splits between home and away, uh, let's look at his slash at home. It's 438, 533, and 1.073. Now, let's just – let me pause you right there, Dr. Scott. Just make sure when people – when we talk about slash – what are we talking about? To, give me what the numbers are here. A slash is a simple thing to uh, kind of wrap your head around. All it is is a series of numbers. It's three numbers. Average comes first in the slash, and then that you, you put a slash there. The next number is on-base percentage, mm-hmm. another slash, and then after that, you got slugging percentage. And then what you do is you add up those two columns at the end there, the on-base percentage and the slugging percentage, and that gives you OPS. Okay. Um, so let's look at Ye- Yelly's slash at home. It's 438, 533, and 1.073, which leads to a 1.606 uh, OPS. It's crazy to wrap your head around that when you think that his OPS last year in his MVP year was 1.00. Hmm. At home, it's 1.606 wow. this year. So he's, I mean, it's you can't even, it's crazy. Away, his OPS is .844. The average major league OPS is typically around 730. So he's still playing way better than the average major league player away. But it's kind of, I mean, you look at 19 home runs at home and five home runs away, there's something going on, right? Yeah. Can you explain it? (laughs) I I don't know if I can, but this is my take on it. In Brewers wins, um, Yelich has a 1.483 uh, OPS in Brewers losses, he has a 0.725 OPS. Hmm. Now the Brewers, as a team, they also kind of function the same way. When they um, are home, they have a 0.819 OPS, and when they're away, it's a 0.755. So they're not hitting as well. Let's look at the records now. The home record is 35 and 22. The away record is 31 and 16. So if you put all of that stuff that I just said together, all of those numbers. Um, he basically, you can't, you can't bear out any massive, uh, correlations there. Nothing really seems to rise to the surface. And so what you do, if the numbers don't tell you a concrete story is you start to think about things like the effect that the fans have and the comfort at playing at home and, uh, things of that nature, the brewers as a team just play better at Miller Park. And that's not the case for every single team, but it's pretty much the rule. So my hunch as to why Yelly is playing better at home is multifactorial. It's comfort. It's the energy that the, the you know, the fans bring to the, the game. And it's also that the Brewers as a team play better. So the guys around him are hitting better. So explain to me analytically then why they didn't win game seven of the NLCS. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're talking with I don't know. We're talking with Dr. Scott Forkenhagen. He is our brewmaster. Well, he's why from brewmath.com. And uh, yeah, I know. Why did I bring it up? I know. I know. I had to. <laughs> he's he's from brewmaths.com. Go check out his website or uh, follow him on Twitter at brew underscore maths. Brewer, sabermetrics, genius. Dr. Scott with us again as he is every <laughs> oh. Tuesday. I know. Just take the compliment, Dr. Scott. You're good. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's, uh, I, I wanted to ask you as well about Freddie Peralta because he's going tonight. And I get, I want to get excited about Freddie Peralta because he had such a great outing. Uh, I was nervous about his outing last week coming into that Marlins game because the Brewers had just gotten their butts whooped 24-3 to in two games, and I was thinking, you're going to throw Peralta out there now when the Marlins are just hammering Brewer pitching? And what does he do? Shuts him down. Like a trap. You know, yeah, and that's baseball, right? That's how baseball goes, and it's great, and Freddie can do that, but he 
certainly is not consistent about it. And and so a couple things. One, why is he not consistent? What goes wrong when he is not the Freddie we saw last week? And two, people talk about his fastball and how he can hide it and it's deceptive. And you can't see that on TV. And TV, it looks like he's throwing a ball, you know, 94. Maybe it's not right down the middle, but it's certainly not on the edges all the time. And guys just can't hit it when he's going right. So can you explain that one to me? Well, yeah, I will. But first, we have to learn about a new metric. There's something called quality of pitch that's out there. And it's in one of the newer metrics that was introduced at the 2015 Sabre Conference. Um, and these two, you want to you want to talk about geniuses. These two guys came up with a way to use the pitch FX data from each pitch and assign quality, a number to each pitch that they throw. And they break it down from, you know, horizontal movement, velocity, vertical movement it goes deep um and if you look at freddie uh in his quality of pitch numbers he rides a couple things jump off the page 91 percent um is where he ranks in terms of late break so he's the 91st percentile in terms of late break on his fastball um overall his late break on if you look at all of his pitches uh, it's 89%. So there's a lot of movement at the very end before hitters, uh, you know, are deciding to swing. Now, let's look at Freddie's repertoire. Um, why does he get hit? What, what, how does he get exposed? Well, he has three pitches, and that's even kind of a stretch. He really has two. This year, he's throwing 79.6% fastballs, 18.4% curves, and 2.5% changeups. <laughs> Now, his fastball has gone up from 91.4 miles per hour last year to 93 miles per hour this year. So when you add a little bit more velocity to something that's already humming, and then you add that late break and movement to it, it's real hard for hitters to pick up. Um, now, if we take it a step further and look at the ERA, FIP, and XFIP that we talked about last year, or last week, yeah. um, uh, his ERA is 5.11. His FIP is 4.17, and his XFIP is 4.12. If you remember, we, we kind of talked about how the those numbers typically line up if everything's happening as it should. If we kind of factor chance and luck out, those numbers typically line up. And you see that his expected FIP and his FIP are much lower, almost a full point lower than his ERA. Without getting into all the nerdy um, the backdrops of that, what, what it means is that he's basically a victim of chance to a certain degree. And as he progresses, those numbers should all start to approximate each other. Uh, more specifically, that ERA should probably fall down to the you know 4.1 area where the FIP and XFIP are. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll take that if, uh, if it means that uh, it's headed down by about a run the rest of the way then he's going to pitch better and he figures to be a, a good part so and we'll see want to get excited about freddie and see some consistency and obviously he's young but hopefully that'll start to come even this year dr scott always a pleasure we love having you on we'll talk Thanks, to you next ben. tuesday you bet thank you and i love the lively twitter debate with dr scott if you have not followed him on twitter go do it at brew underscore maths at brew underscore maths uh, it's it's a good time on Twitter. He gets into it a, a few times, and not in a in a you know scrappy or petty Twitter way that you can sometimes see. Not petulant or childish. He really, again, just like you hear in the interview, he backs it up with analytics and facts. And uh, sometimes uh, you got into it with uh, 
with someone about Dallas Keuchel uh, this week because you know the, I I didn't support the Brewers signing Keuchel at all and Dr. Scott backed it up with his analytic facts. I loved it. And so it's uh, it's good to see on Twitter and he's a great follow. Uh he'll provide some really interesting analytic facts just like you want sabermetrics for the Brewers just like you want. So he's totally worth the follow at brew underscore maths on Twitter. All right, the Brewers are 38 and 28 as we know after the off day. Five or uh, half game. I almost said five games. I wish a half game up on the Cubs, who lost last night to the Rockies. <laughs> Rockies came from behind and beat the Cubs. Uh, two teams are tied in the loss column. Cubs have played one less game and they have one less win. So that's where you're at right now. Again on June 11th. So there's a long way to go. So it doesn't really matter. All that matters. I say this every time is that the Brewers are in it. They're right in it. They're not. They haven't played themselves out of it and. You know, the standings really start to matter, obviously, much later in the year. It's such a long way to go. It's such a long season. It's crazy. Uh, Tomorrow on the show, Adam Rigg of the Brewer Nation will join us. We'll also recap, of course, the Brewers and Astros game one. So we'll look forward to that. Friday, get your mailbag questions ready. We'll do the fan mailbag as we do every week on the show. We're going to make it every Friday on the show. So looking forward to that as well. Again, Freddie Peralta versus Brad Peacock tonight. We'll watch. We'll analyze. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Looking forward to that here on Locked On Brewers. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Brewers. I'm Ben Larson. Talk to you tomorrow when we deliver your daily Brewers fix on Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Come on, Brewers. You can-